Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. Hi again. Uh, just before I leave this in a time of prayer this morning, I have a few announcements I want to pass on to you. Uh, first, our Hearing God seminar is coming up on Tuesday, October 27th, beginning at 7 p.m. It's going to run for six weeks. And I know that the deepest longing in our heart is to be able to hear and discern, know the voice of God. And yet many of us have never learned how to do that well. And so this seminar is meant to help out. It's for teenagers, right up to adults. You can sign up for that online. Uh, secondly, uh, we sent out a survey last week, and it's really important you take a moment to fill that out. We're really asking you two questions. First is, what st- strategic track are you choosing this fall? And the second one is, are you connecting with others from our Ebenezer family? Because we want to know who's doing that and that we care about that. The third thing is our annual meeting is coming up on October 28th, and it's at 7 p.m. We do have some important things to discuss during that time, so make sure you either join us live here or you live stream that meeting as well. And finally, Operation Christmas Child is coming up. The deadline for boxes is November the 15th. We have a video for you to see right now. The way we express the love of Jesus Christ and the passion that he had is that we go out there and we serve others. We go to the out of bound places, the ends of the earth. The world is changing, but the gospel doesn't change. The message doesn't change. We're going to make every effort to share the gospel. The world has been decimated by COVID-19, but the work here at Samaritan's Purse, it never stops. No greater need and no greater time than right now for us to go out and serve boldly in the name of Jesus Christ. And we do it through Operation Christmas Child. It's a platform that God has given Samaritan's Purse to share the gospel more than 10 million times every year. Jesus loves you. The wonderment of it is that the child's encounter is not with material things. By faith, the encounter is with things unseen, and they're receiving that for the very first time. From the shoebox to the greatest journey, this is the great commission. During this pandemic, during all the fear that COVID-19 has brought to the world, this is when we go out and share the truth. Jesus said, go into the world and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have a job to do. This is what these shoeboxes are all about, going out in the heart of this darkness, the heart of this virus, to go out and to bring up hope of Jesus Christ around the world. Is there a sense of urgency? Yes, there is. Because there's kids out there without the knowledge and the hope of Jesus Christ. Get out there to be a part of this. Right now, it's the time. Well, let's pray together. Just before we do that, uh, just a couple things I want you to know. Uh, Justin Stewart, who used to be pastored at... Um, House for All Nations, was in a very serious car accident this past week down in the States, uh, and he's doing 
okay, but he had multiple operations, and so we want to pray for him. And his two young kids are here in Saskatoon, so there's some concern there. And then we want to continue to pray for Norm Anns uh, with cancer, Levi Berkland, young boy with cancer, and also Troy Beaver. And I know there's many other people we could be praying for, so let's, let's pray together. Uh, so, Father, uh, again, we come to you today. And the first thing we want to say is that we know that you are Lord, that there is none like you, that you are the God of all power. You are the God of all hope. You are the God of peace and love. And you reign and rule. And so we need to know that in this season, that you're the one who is reigning and ruling, and that you, your plan is unfolding, even though we don't always see it. So thank you for that. Now, Father, I, I thank you for the many ministries that we have um, here at this church and the ones that have opened up in the lives of our church families and help us to see the opportunities that are in front of us as we seek to serve you. But especially I wanna pray for the youth and the college and career and the women's ministries as they continue to move forward in this season. Uh, Father, uh, I pray for our family members and I know there are many people that are feeling lonely and disconnected. And um, you've asked us to learn what it means to love one another. So even now put on our hearts people who we could be praying for, or contacting or connecting with, so that as a family, we would feel um, your care in your hand. And God, even if we don't uh, reach out and touch people the way that they would like or that we want to, the way that we want to, I pray that they would know your presence in this season, that they would know you and that you would meet them in very real ways. And then finally, God, we just want to pray for some of our family, family needs. I pray for Justin Sturt as he recovers from the surgeries and the accident that your grace would be upon him, that he would heal well. For his kids back home, that you would protect them and help them not to be anxious. I pray for Norm Anns, that you would continue to be with him, that you would continue to touch his body, you would give him a strong faith, and you would continue to encourage him and Josie. I pray for Levi Berkland and his family, that you would continue to be with Levi. I know he's having uh, a PET scan this, this week, and I just pray that, that your grace would be upon them and that you would answer their prayers and hear the cries of their heart. And we think of others like Troy Beaver and others who are, are struggling with health and that you would continue to guide us. But God, help us to, to be people that, that love you and live for you in this season and out of this season. You would help us to, to know you and to follow you in everything that we say and do and bring you glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. Welcome once again to our online Sunday worship service. If you don't know me, my name is Cal, and I'm particularly excited this morning to kick off our new sermon series that will take us right to the Christmas season. Now, just prior to last week's Thanksgiving service, we did a four-part series on the DNA of the church. And if you haven't yet had a chance to watch or to listen to those messages, you, you really need to do so, as those messages and those teachings and those truths will form the foundation of who we want to be as His church, as God's church, as Christ's church, and will guide us as we move forward. But this morning, we're beginning a new series that we've titled, Why Jesus? Take out your phones right now and go to our new Ebenezer website, ebenezerbaptist.ca. Now, if you're there, hover on the About tab and click Who We Are. Here's where you'll see our mission and our vision statements, and we've reworked that to be more concise, to be, to be more clear. So let me just encourage you, wherever you're at, if you're watching at home, to read our mission statement together. Read it with me. Our mission is to point people to Jesus and help them know and follow him. 
We point people to Jesus because we believe he is, first, the way. Not just the way to God, but the way to reconciliation, justice, and restoration. The truth, not just the truth about God, but the truth about humankind and this world. The life, not just eternal life, but a better and fuller life to live. Now, our mission as Christ Church and our mission statement is based on the Great Commission given to us by Jesus just before he left the earth, as found in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And as we just read, it is to point people to Jesus and to help them know and follow him, a process that we, in church circles, refer to as discipleship. But notice that our mission is to point people to Jesus. It isn't to point people to Ebenezer, or is it to point people to a comfortable or a easy life? It isn't to point people to living as good citizens or productive members of society. Our mission is to point people to Jesus and Jesus alone. Well, why? Well, that's summed up in our next statement taken from the truth of who Jesus was, is, and will always be found in John 14, verse 6. Now, if you have any church background, these words are likely familiar to you. But if you don't, let me just read what Jesus says about himself in John 14, verse 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Over the next couple of months, we're going to take a deep dive into these words, as these might arguably be the most important words of Jesus during his time on earth. But not only were these words of incredible importance during Jesus' time, they are for us today as well. Now, as we unpack this simple sentence into the coming weeks, I want to encourage and challenge you to consider deeply what Jesus says about himself. And I'll be praying that no matter where you are at in your spiritual journey, the truth regarding the person of Jesus will profoundly impact your life and you will make the adjustments necessary based on what God reveals to you. Now, if you're here, obviously watching or li and listening at this point, and at this point in your life, you're really not all that interested in spiritual things, then that's okay. I encourage you to listen and to ask questions and to process the truth of Scripture with an open heart and an open mind and just simply pray and ask God to speak truth to you. Or maybe you're here and you're watching and listening and, and you already feel you have a growing and a vibrant relationship with God and with Jesus. That's fantastic. Then my prayer for you is that you continue each and every day to fall deeper and deeper in love with him and commit more and more to living your life for his purpose and for his mission, living and sharing your faith with those that God has placed around you. But if you're here today and maybe you've decided that this Christian thing just isn't for you, then I also want to speak directly to you. You see, believe it or not, there was a time in my life when I decided that Jesus and Christianity and church and so on and so forth weren't for me. I grew up in a Christian home. I was taught all the Bible lessons. I heard all the sermons. I sang all the songs. I went to all the programs that, that you were a part of and that you were taught. But I decided to live life my own way, especially during my high school years. God was gracious to me, and he spared me the consequences of many of my poor choices. And eventually I realized that Jesus was indeed who he said he was, that his words were true, 
And then I had to make a decision about that. And I did so at the age of about 18 and a half. The only regret I have is that I didn't come to realize the truth of Jesus Christ earlier in my life. You see, if his words are true, and by true I mean true for each and every person who ever existed across all time, across all cultures, across all racial lines, each and every person uh, watching online today, and each and every person uh, sitting around you at your table, if these words are true, then they are of the utmost vital and absolutely essential importance. These words of Jesus should not and cannot be just ignored. Now you can accept these words and live your life accordingly, or you can reject these words and live your life accordingly. But if they are true, why would you not believe and accept them? Would it not be, well, foolish to, be, to not believe something that is true? You know, as I think about the world around us, and particularly the last six or seven months, this is perhaps the first time in all of recorded history, maybe all of history, where everyone, every single person on earth is going through the same thing with this COVID-19 pandemic. And I ask myself, is God using this time of worldwide disruption as an opportunity for each and every one of us, each and every human being to consider Jesus? To ask that question, why Jesus? And maybe this is your time. Now, before we get into today's message, we need to know just a little bit of context around this incredibly powerful statement of Jesus. Jesus is nearing the end of his time and his ministry on earth. He is intentionally preparing his disciples for two things. First, his departure from earth physically, and two, for them to continue the mission of God after he leaves. Now, it's not an easy task to prepare them. Jesus has just invested about three years, 36 or so months, 156 weeks, 1,100-ish days, uh, uh, 26,400 hours, living life with this group of 12. They have created incredible bonds of friendship and of love as they walked life together. And as Jesus has revealed more and more of who he is and who God is as they journeyed life together. Now he is preparing to leave them. And it brings incredible grief to the disciples as they realize that their friend, their master, their Lord would no longer be with them. So Jesus prepares them for his departure with these words. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. But this statement causes confusion among the disciples. Thomas then asks, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how could we possibly know the way? And it is to this question that Jesus gives this profound and powerful statement. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, even if you've heard these words before, even if you've heard them a thousand times, just take a moment to consider the significance of what Jesus has just said. 
I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, even though Jesus here is speaking to his disciples, what Jesus has just said about himself might not only arguably be the most powerful thing he has said, it could also be the most controversial. You see, here in one fell swoop, Jesus destroyed the possibility that any other faith or any other religious system, any other belief construct or any other value system could be actually true or, or even worthwhile. Any teaching or practice that contradicts what Jesus has said or taught was and is rendered useless. You see, this one statement by Jesus made two significant claims that even today are challenging to most everyone. First, the claim that he is the only way, or what I call the claim of exclusivity. By saying that he was the only way, Jesus did not allow any room for any other way to God or any other way to have a right relationship with God. It could only be through him. Jesus claims that he is the way, he is the truth, that he is the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. See, there's no room for, that's what you believe, but I want to believe something else. See, sometimes we take an all roads lead to Rome mentality when it comes to God or our relationship with God or heaven, so on and so forth, because then we can believe and we can think and we can act in any way we choose and kind of hope that we can become right with God eventually. However, when it comes to truth, something is either true or it isn't. It's not true because you believe it to be true, nor is it false because you choose not to believe it. Jesus' claim of exclusivity is either true or it isn't. A second, in this statement, Jesus claims deity and equality with God. In the verses that follow, Jesus continues building on this claim, saying things like, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, speaking about God the Father, and you have seen him. And anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Bold claims to be sure. In fact, so bold, that's what got Jesus crucified. But if Jesus is indeed God, then it is entirely necessary for us to listen, to believe, and to trust him. And if Jesus is God, we know that we can trust in who he is, his character, his love, his compassion, his mercy, grace, but also rec recognize his holiness and his righteousness. You can understand then the challenge. Jesus' claims challenge many of the common objections to the Christian faith even today. Is there really only one way to God? Is Jesus who he said he was? Or was he just a good man or a, a good teacher? Do I really need Jesus to get to heaven? Can I just live a good and decent life? Am I not a good person? But here's the thing. These words and claims of Jesus are not an ultimatum, and we shouldn't read them as an ultimatum. Jesus isn't saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that's it. You can take it or you can leave it. Not at all. In fact, they are the exact opposite. Jesus' words and his claims are an invitation. You see, Jesus knows that all other beliefs, 
all other practices, all other ways of living, all other choices you will make in your life ultimately will not satisfy. He knows that our natural tendency is to want to do things by ourselves and in our own way. But he also knows that none of those choices will lead to lasting joy or fullness or meaning and purpose or abundance. So he invites us to come to God through him. He invites us to receive his free gift of salvation, to submit to his lordship in our lives and truly experience the joy of living in relationship with God the Father. And so when he tells us, he's saying, and perhaps in the back of his mind, he's thinking, anything else you try will not work, will not satisfy, will not create an abundant life. So he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So come to me. So this morning, we're going to begin understanding this invitation to consider why Jesus by looking at the first part of this claim of Jesus, and it is that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the only way to the Father. And let's take a look at three reasons why Jesus is the only way to the Father. Now, the first reason Jesus is the only way to the Father is because the way to God the Father is relational. Right from the very first days of creation, mankind, you and I, were created to be in relationship with God. Genesis tells us that we were created in the image of God, that we are God image bearers, and that before sin entered the world, God actually walked in the Garden of Eden Eden with Adam and Eve. Now, after the sin of Adam and Eve, that relationship was severed, and it needed restoration. In Leviticus, God is speaking to the nation of Israel, his people, and he's outlining the benefits and the rewards of obedience to him and his commands, and he says this in Leviticus 26, verse 12, I, God, I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. In 1 John chapter 1, John describes our relationship with God in this way. He says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. You see, it's always been about a relationship. And because of sin, that relationship is only possible through Jesus Christ. And see, too often we think, and I know I thought this way as well, but too often we think that Christianity is about a set of rules and rituals that we need to keep and we need to do, we need to adhere to if we're going to really be good Christians. But the foundation of the Christian faith is being made right in relationship with God through Jesus. And it is from that relationship that our obedience follows. See, obedience is absolutely important and absolutely necessary, but it needs to be based in relationship. Think about a marriage relationship. During a marriage ceremony, a couple will make vows and promises to one another that are really uh, to last for the entire lifetime of the marriage. Now, many of those vows are really a decision to change behaviors and to make a commitment to obey the promises that you've made. You see, you don't enter into a marriage behaving exactly like you did when you're single. You change your behavior. You don't make a commitment to walk in obedience to, uh, to the vow that you made with someone that you don't already have, a, that you don't have a relationship with. You see, when we enter into a relationship with God, our desire should be to obey. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commands. 
you may have heard me say this before, but I've said that you can obey God without loving him, but you can't love God without obeying him. Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Jesus is the way to God and the only way to God because the way to God is relational. Second, Jesus is the only way to God the Father because the way to the Father is righteous. We often focus on the love and the grace and the mercy of God, and as important as those attributes are, we mustn't forget that God is also a God of holiness and righteousness. And because of his holiness, because of his righteousness, there needs to be a solution to the problem of sin in our lives and in the world. A sin has many effects in our relationship with God. It keeps us from having true fellowship with him, and it alienates us from him. Sin makes us the object of God's wrath. As Romans 6 tells us, the wages of sin is death. Sin renders us helpless. We can't offer anything acceptable, acceptable to God on our own strength or on our own ability. Sin not only entered the world through Adam and Eve, but we are all born sinful and suffer from the guilt and penalty of that sin as well as from our own sinful nature and actions. However, through Christ, the payment and the punishment for sin has been made in full. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ satisfied the righteousness and the holiness of God as he paid the price for our sin and through his blood made forgiveness possible. Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Francis Chan says that one of the two scariest lies in the world is a lie that you are a good person or that we are all essentially good people. And this is a lie that many of us fall for. But this lie takes us away from the fact that we need Jesus to make us right or righteous before God. The Bible tells us that we are all sinners. Romans 3, all have sin and all fall short of the glory or the righteousness of God. You see, if we were all essentially good, then why in the world would God sacrifice his one and only son? Why would God send him to earth, give up his glory in heaven? Why would God allow him to suffer and die in the most painful and humiliating way possible for us if it wasn't absolutely necessary? Jesus fully God and wholly righteous. Mankind, you and I, fully human and wholly sinful. Imagine this. Jesus, who was righteous, became sin for you and I so that we could become fully righteous. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to become sin for us so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Now, there's a theological term for this called imputed righteousness. Imagine this. Jesus is wearing a jacket that is wholly righteous. It's clean, it's pure, it's pure white. You and I are wearing jackets that are wholly sinful, so they're dirty and they're grungy. Jesus, through his death and his resurrection on the cross, takes off our jacket of sin, that dirty, grungy jacket. He takes off his jacket of righteousness, pure and white, and he puts the sinful jacket upon himself 
so that he takes the penalty and the punishment for sin and he takes that white, pure, holy and righteous jacket and puts it on you and I, now making us righteous and acceptable in the presence of God. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. But Jesus did it for us. See, Jesus is the way to God the Father because the way to the Father is righteous. Uh, Finally, Jesus is the only way to God the Father because the way to the Father is renewal. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on this point, but let me read a passage for us and then just make a few points. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 to 54 from The Message says, I need to emphasize, friends, that our natural earthly lives don't in themselves lead us by their very nature into the kingdom of God. Their very nature is to die. Our earthly lives, their very nature is to die. So how could they naturally end up in the life kingdom? But let me tell you something wonderful, a mystery I'll probably never fully understand. We are not all going to die, but we are all going to be changed. You hear a blast to end all blasts from a trumpet. And in the time that you look up and blink your eyes, it's over. On signal from that trumpet, from heaven, the dead will be up and out of their graves, beyond the reach of death, never to die again. At the same moment and in the same way, we'll all be changed. In the resurrection scheme of things, this has to happen. Everything perishable taken off the shelves and replaced by the imperishable. This mortal replaced by the immortal. Now, I know you younger folks who are listening probably won't understand this, but I've noticed that as I get older, my physical body goes through, well, more aches and pains than I often care to admit. Uh, Certainly after an, an evening of sports, but sometimes just doing the most mundane things, I all of a sudden tweak this or tweak that. My, my joints, my, my back, my, my eyes, and so on, just seem to keep going downhill. But that's actually the very nature of our physical bodies. They were, they're given to us, but, but they die. But you see, it's not these bodies that will one day come into, the etern- come into eternity into the presence of God. It will be renewed bodies, renewed bodies that will never die, that will never deteriorate, that will never fall apart. And this is a promise we can be assured of because Jesus himself resurrected from the dead. And because of his resurrection, we have this hope that one day we too will receive renewed, glorified bodies and forever be in the presence of God. Jesus is the only way to God the Father because of the way to the Father is renewal. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We point people to Jesus because of this truth. We point people to Jesus because he and he alone is the only way to God. You see, Jesus took Thomas's question, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? The question really, Thomas asking, well, what is the way to God the Father? How do we get there? And answered it by revealing that the way to God is not a what or a how. Rather, it's a who. It's only through Jesus and through having a relationship with Jesus. 
Jesus is not one way. He's the only way. One other thought as we conclude for this morning. I find it interesting that the early disciples and the followers of Christ, the church, was often referred to in the book of Acts as either followers of the way or simply the way. Just as the way to God the Father is not a what or even a how, but a who, we, today, the church, are called to live and be, to live in relationship with Jesus Christ and to live in relationship with others. We are called to live and be, not just do. And so wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, and again, especially if you have not made a decision to follow Christ, or perhaps you're questioning the validity of Christ's claims and this whole Christian thing, or even turned away, I I pray that you will consider truth. Jesus is the way, the only way, and he invites you with open and loving arms to follow him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Now, if you're watching at home, there'll be a slide coming up here with some questions that I encourage you to take a few moments before you scatter off on your different ways to take, uh, to take some time just to discuss some of these questions. Uh, it may also be available in a PDF or, or document format. I'm not sure exactly, but you'll check that out. Um, so if you have a chance to uh, discuss those, I encourage you to do so. And spend some time discussing the profound impact and the significance of this truth. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you and thanks for listening.